in the words of my father, my grandpa, maybe some other preachers that you've known in the past, watching that video, I can almost hear a comment made about that, that video. And it's simply this. If you've heard it before, it's going to be familiar. That video will preach. We could just put that on repeat. And we could just watch it. Because what that man says has changed the course of the entire world. I don't stand in front of you today claiming to even be worthy to preach this message, but because of Jesus I am. And some of you would say the same thing. God has changed my life. We're going to enter a process. We're going to look at the third chapter of Philippians today. and We've been through the first two chapters. We've got two more to go. We're going to dive into the third chapter today. So, and, and I highly recommend this. If you don't have one, you can just scoot out of the church and right outside or somebody can get up and get you one. If you don't have a pen and you have a Bible, I highly recommend this. Because today we're going to be using this, the ink that's transferred out of the pen to the tip, and we're going to underline things in our Bible. Now, what, what I mean by that is this. We're not going to desecrate the book by just marking in it. But we're going to underline things that when we happen to read that passage again, they will jump at us. And when I mean jump at us, I mean God, God's Word is cool. You know why? Because it's living. It changes. You can read the passage John 3.16 every day for the entire year. And I bet you will discover that it has a different meaning sometimes different days. My name is Matt. Welcome to Connection. I am beyond excited to preach this message to you this morning because it is <laughs> it's one that can change your life. Oh, that's pretty arrogant. Super preacher, Billy Graham, Griswold. No. No, the reason, the reason that I say that it can change your life has nothing to do with me. And has everything to do with Jesus. Everything. We're going to look at a man. We've been looking at a man for four weeks named Paul. We're in Philippians. He's, write, he's, reading, uh, he's writing this, this letter to the church in Philippi. And he's encouraging them. And we, we've talked about this. In the last four weeks, we've talked about this. Paul's talked about joy quite a bit, hasn't he? I know, I told, you, I told you at the beginning, 16 times he either says joy or rejoicing okay, in the book. In four chapters, probably important. How we can find joy in our suffering. Now that's not fun. And we encountered that. And he thought, you remember me standing up here and saying you, we should be happy when we suffer? Makes no sense to us. But God says this, he says if you will honor me in his circumstances. I will give you peace beyond anything you can understand. Have you experienced that? You ever lost a, a loved one? And I had the, I had, I've lost several loved ones. And I've had the, the knowledge of knowing that that person was in heaven. And I had a peace. Was it horrible? Was it awful? Did I feel sorrow? Absolutely. But it's the presence of God in my life. In these certain circumstances that have come up in my life. And how, how, how we can have the attitude of Christ. We've studied the vision that God has for connection. Last week, I, I had a sermon that we raise them up and we send them out. If you're, if you're a first-time member to Connection, I want to say welcome, but here's the deal. You're not a guest and you're not, you're not a visitor uh, and, you're, and you're not somebody that we may come up and stand up here uh, because here's the deal. You, we recognize you as part of our family. Even if you're here one time, we say welcome to our family. We're, we're so glad that you're here. 
We hope that you enjoy some popcorn and some coffee, and if that's not your thing, okay. But just truly see what, what, what we're trying to do as a vision of our church. Last week when we talked about, we raise our leaders up and we send them out. Literally a process that happens 52 weeks a year, unless we get snowed out. And apparently today, some of you have been praying a little bit against me because 65 degrees. Oh yeah, amen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, thank you. No, I'm just kidding. It's great weather, isn't it? Now, I know some of you, if you're in the minority with me, you know, it could, it, we could have 6.5 inches of snow outside. It would be awesome to play in, but whatever. But God is good, isn't He? Do you, do you, when you woke up today, did you deserve to wake up? And just internally ask that, answer that question. It, based on what you did in this life and have done in this life, did you deserve to wake up? Whoa. Stop getting sharp, Matt. Listen, God is, God is exceptionally instrumental in the blessings that you have in your life. He says, you follow me, watch what I'm going to do. And we think, oh, it's going to be a cakewalk. I'm going to become a follower of Jesus and it's going to be all over. That is the biggest lie that the church has ever told. Jesus himself tells his disciples, you will give your life to follow me. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Nobody's going to hand you blow pop suckers along the way. You're not going to get big presents. You're probably going to get no presents. There's, not going, to be, there's going to be people that don't like you. But today, we talk about this guy on this video. And if you, if you remember back to that, and if you want the YouTube link, I can get it to you. It's a phenomenal, 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 phenomenal video. If you take, you could preach through that thing for about a year. <laughs> The, the, the wording in it, the, the, the phrases that he uses is instrumental, but he said he was a church kid on Sunday while addicted to pornography. See, the, these, these struggles and that connection, we do, not, we do not have a church for perfect people, do we? You're not sitting next to perfect people. Caution. We're all broken. But we know a guy, right? We know the creator of the universe. And he, this is the cool thing. People say this. Stay. It's really good. Stay. Okay. This, this, is the ultimate, this is the ultimate prize of being a follower of Christ. And this is what people like to do. You ready? They go through life and they've had some stuff happen in their life. And watch this. They messed up. They're broken. They're sinful and they say this, God, when I get everything straightened out, I'm going to come to you. They're still here. You can't get here to there except one way. Because the cool thing about the gospel and what Jesus did for us that we're going to talk about later is this. Many people say, I can't wait to get my life together so I can come to God. But the gospel says, bring your pieces to God and he'll put you back together. I hope you hear this today. Because some, there, in a crowd even this big, there are people that are hurting exceptionally bad. They are hurting deep inside. Maybe they don't have a good relationship with their family or their kids or their what, whatever. There are people today that can see that they don't have to get everything right to come to God. God says, you bring me your pieces and I'll put you back together. You know, the cool thing is, we're all, works, we're all puzzles. And there's not one of us that has the final piece in. You know why? I don't want to scare you. If you get the final piece, you're not going to be living here anymore. We're always a work in, in progress. Always a work in progress. When we look at Paul, 
The writer of this letter, very instrumental in the, in the church at Philippi. But when we look at him in the context of biblical history, okay, we're looking at the Bible as a piece of biblical history because it takes accounts that can be proven in secular history. You can cross-reference them. Okay? It's phenomenal, the amount of information that we have about the New Testament. But Paul, if you interviewed... If you interviewed against Paul at any job in this time in, in history, guess what? You lose. Well, I'm a good person. Doesn't matter, according to this guy. He is a resume stud. He has all of the right answers. You know, you, your resume maybe, oh, it's really, it's really nice, man. He's handed in on like really good cardstock, all kinds of colored ink. It's beautiful. He's wearing a three-piece Armani. He's walking. He's going he's gonna to blow you out of the water. But it's very important that we look at that because some people think, because I have a good life, I have everything together, I don't need anything. And that's the scary part. If you think you have it all together, 1 Corinthians says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It's talking about pride. Then it goes on in 13 and talks about temptation. But look at this. When compared to any other biblical figure of this time, Paul's resume is at the top. He gets the best job. He's the man. Now, a lot of us have grown up and we've had different thinkings about Paul. We've had thinkings about Paul like this. Paul originally was Saul and he persecuted Christians. Now, we've grown up, we've heard stories, Paul hated Christians, Paul hated Christians. We're going to talk about today why he hated that. There's a good, there's a, there's a, a believable in history belief of why he did that. Okay. There are things that have changed in Paul's life that he says, you know what, maybe this stuff that I have isn't that big after all. So Paul writes this encouraging letter. Remember he's in prison? And he does this. This is something cool. John Maxwell, anybody heard of John Maxwell? He wrote, he wrote in a phenomenal book. If you are a leader, if you're, not, if you're a follower, if you're a, a, just a, a worker at your job, watch this. Read this book. Go out and get The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. It will blow your mind. He talks about things called the law of the lid. Now, the law of the lid is this. On a scale of 1 to 10, if you're, if you're, you're the lid, if, if you're the leader and you're the boss at your job, you're the cap on the cup. If you want eight and nines, you better be a nine or a ten. Because you can't be a three with a lid on and expect to have six and sevens and eights come into your place. See, this is, this is, this is a phenomenon. He bases it all on Scripture. It's very, 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 very good. Watch. Watch. John Maxwell talks about you should revisit the vision of your church every 30 days. I know what some of you are thinking. Holy cow, every 30 days. That's one every four weeks. That's, that's, that's 12 times a year. Yeah, it's 120 times in 10 years. Okay, okay, listen. Revisiting a vision of the church is a vital necessity and a very, very, very healthy, 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 healthy thing to do. Unless you're unlike me and you can completely stay on track of everything. Are you good at that? Can we use turn signals? We go this way, we go this way. Listen, listen, listen to the vision. Listen to the, the, the existence statement. There's a difference between this. Listen to the existence statement. If you have a, a worship handout, 
You can look on the very front. Read it in the bold letters with me, okay? Uh, it says, We exist to connect with God's heart and the hearts of others, becoming friends with all people as we live and love like... Almost awake, aren't we? Live and love like... There we go. I'm going to tell you a very simple truth in this whole entire sermon in about four seconds. Are you ready? Nothing matters except your relationship with Jesus in this entire world. It matters, not eternally. We're going to talk about what Paul has. Paul was the... Paul was the duck dynasty of his age. He, everybody wanted to be like him. He, had, he could play car... Listen, somehow, this guy gets in trouble, not the first time, for the multiple time... That's not even a word. I thought P.E. It's okay. So, for the, for the, for the multiple... You can you just write that down. No, no, no. For many, many times he gets arrested, and he should have been put, to pr- put in prison, not allowed to write any letters, complete solitary confinement, or he should have been killed by law. But Paul goes, oh yeah, <clears throat> I have this card to play today. What was this card? Well, I was a Pharisee. <sighs> and then, then later on in the book, we're going to study about this. He gets beaten in, in public, and he says this. He says, I think you should let me go. Listen, you can ask people, this, I'm not trying to be funny, but if you're, if you're in prison and you, even if you ask nicely to leave, they're not going to let you. Okay? Here's the deal. So Paul does this. He goes, remember, remember guys, when you took me out to the street and you beat me up? I'm a Roman citizen. It is illegal for you to beat me in public. And I want to leave. Guess what? He left. Okay? So he has all of these, car, all of these things that he can play. This guy is in the house, arrested, very soft. For what could happen. So he writes this letter. And and connection exists to do this. But watch this. Our vision. Our vision is this. And it's very, very simple. We have a vision of seeing people come to that place where they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. By watching the way that we act. By watching the way that we are in our job. Remember I said you're not sitting next to perfect people. Remember how God. Look at how God has changed our lives. And this isn't a vision that's new. It started in the original church. One that started a very short time before Philippi. Now watch. If you have your worship handout, flip with me to the the middle, to the open blanks, and check this out. Remember, you have a pen, you can underline some of these. I highly recommend one of these last parts. It says, revisiting the vision of a church... And in a follower of Jesus is a necessary process. Why? Do you know that even Major League Baseball players have hitting coaches? You know culinary chefs that are at the top of their game still have other people taste their stuff? Why do we need to check and bounce? Listen, watch this. Revisiting the vision. Why do we do what we do? Listen, if we don't have a vision or a dream or where we're going, we're just a, a social country club. Hey, come and hang out. Drink some coffee, listen to some cool music, and we go home. Listen, when we review our life, look at this. Individually or as a church, it's a necessary process to revisit the vision in your life. What does God want from me? This is a very hard question to answer sometimes. And sometimes God says this. Just wait. How many of us prayed for patience this morning? Don't lie. You didn't. Okay. I'm just kidding. Some, some of you say, I don't even pray for patience. Why? Because God will test me in patience. I don't, I don't even pray for it. I don't even ask for it. But following Jesus, being revisiting the vision of the church, and in a follower of Jesus in our life is necessary. Why? 
Because this. If you are underlining things today, I highly recommend looking at this. If you want to cut this out, put it on your, your mirror at home where you see it. Look at this. When we review our own life, we can be made aware of changes that need to be made in our lives. And we put it into context what our brains say about that. I'm going to include myself with you already. And when I say we can be made aware of changes that need to be made in our own, our own lives, our brains, our human nature, the selfish, says we do not like that at all. Am I wrong? We don't like change. Why? Because I'm comfortable. We've always done it like this. When we, when, when we can be made aware of changes that need to be made, it is very difficult sometimes for us to hear it. If you've had a spiritual leader in your life, a mentor, a person that you looked up to that really put into your life, the chances are good this. If they were a good mentor or a good teacher, they did not say this. I'll, you can just, I'll be me for right now. I'll see Matt. Matt, you did a perfect, excellent, you can't top it better job. That is completely unhealthy. Why? That's how we get kids, and I've coached before, baseball. That's how we get kids that come up and go, I hit like Howard Pujols, mom and dad said so. Whoa. I've played with a couple of those guys, and no you don't. No you don't. When we, are, when we hear those words, you're perfect, you're good, you're the best ever, blah, 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 we get this head that won't fit through both of those doors open. And we can do that spiritually. When we find comfort and we don't want to change and God encounters us, we say, oh, we don't like this. Do you see how good of a job I'm doing? And that spiritual leader or God maybe mentions to us, he says, Until you die, you're probably going to be playing a spiritual game of Wapamole. Watch. You have all these areas in your life, like the little moles. Everybody played this game? It's a good frustration taker outer. Okay? Wapamoles everywhere. They're popping up. And you have this great big hammer. You smoke them and they go down. Guess what? Another one pops up. In our spiritual life, it's the same thing. One of my issues is anger. Man, I really... I mean, I knocked out anger this week. Boom. I'm selfish with my time. Oh. Anger. What? Pretty soon, we're just throwing the hammer. We're just looking at all the moles. See, God says, I want to change you. He's he's talking to Paul here that I want to change you. If you have your Bibles and your pens, look at Philippians 3.1. You can see on the screen. You can see it on your phone. You know, on that Bible app, you can highlight, you can add, you can bookmark. Do it. Do it. These things that we're going to be covering in this, this part of this chapter can change your life. He says this. He says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. If I ask you all to get up in the morning and say, Ta-da! Whatever happens today, thank you, God. Now, if you have a day where you get to be off, you get to grill outside, it's 65 degrees, whatever. I am going to grill today though, so it's okay. But I have special car hearts that I even grill when it's like zero, so it's not a really big deal if it's warm. But we, we have all these, you, you have all this, this great day. Maybe you get a promotion, maybe you, don't, maybe you just don't argue with anybody. Hallelujah. Your kids do what they're supposed to do, they get up and go to school, boom. Wow, thank you God. It's a miracle. Some of us would scream, it's a miracle. It's, okay, it's, it's easy to say, God, you're the man. 
But do you know how hard it is whenever I struggle with anger and there are some times that I let my attitude take over? I say, God, I just wish you'd make everybody else act like me. No, I wouldn't really. But I think that in my head. I'm like, oh, if they could just get and understand what I'm doing, they just wouldn't conflict with me. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's a day that you wake up and there's a severe loss. Anything. Fill in the blank. Do you know how hard it is to say, God, I still love you. I still love you. Many of you commented, and thank you. I posted, I reposted, I shared a, a, a video of a song that has to deal with something that my wife and I went through. We had a miscarriage before we had two girls. And in this song, this guy talks about these, 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 it's a lullaby, and these babies don't ever have to know earth. And watch this. Listen, the words in this. The first steps that they take are going to be taken with Jesus. Now, there's a lot of sadness when we talk about that, but God has put the puzzle back together with our life, and He says, whenever people come and talk to you about this, I want you to use this story of how I changed your life. See, I've prayed with my wife. God, if we can have children, we will praise you. If we can't, we will praise you. It's the hardest prayer I've ever prayed in my entire life. I wanted to to grow up and have a beautiful one sitting over there. It's really cool. Paul says this, whatever happens. And he's saying this as a very strong warning. He doesn't think he's going to get out of prison alive. So he says this, he says, whatever happens, dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. And here you go. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. He's revisiting the vision. Do you remember why you do what you do and for who you do it? (laughs) Do you remember why you do what you do for who you do it? We revisit that step. If you're underlining, underguard, underline safeguard. Safeguard your faith. Paul's saying, I never get tired of telling you things. You know why? Because he's seen God change their life. And he says, I do it to safeguard. I do it to teach you. Has anybody been reading Philippians or been reading it in church with me? And have, have you ever seen Paul in the book of Philippians go, you guys are the man and you're doing excellent and don't ever change a thing. Have you read that? You know why? It's not in there. He doesn't say that. He doesn't doesn't always pet, does he? Sometimes he says, these words are useful to correct what you're doing. Focus more on this. Do this. Safeguard. When we refocus on God's Word, it makes us aware of the things and changes that God wants to make. Look at the next verse. He says, watch out. Uh Uh-oh. Watch out for those dogs. Oh, there's a... There's a canine population in the Bible that was just incredible. No. He's not talking about dogs. Canines. Huge beasts of animals. Some, some of you guys have, some of you guys have uh, dogs in your house that literally are, are bigger than me. Is that true? That's true. <laughs> I've, dan- I've danced with him and he's like this. So I'm like, wow. You know, first word, great. Second word, Dane. Huge dog. Okay. We're not talking about these dogs. He's talking about this. Watch this. He says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. 
Really quick, we can go into Jewish law. Here's the deal. The Jewish law says that a Jewish boy is to be circumcised on the eighth day. It's also to remind us that they cut away things that are unneeded. Okay, now watch. Judaizers, people that, people that were big wigs and wanted to cause a lot of trouble, these were Jewish Christians that took it upon themselves, you know what, to know more than God. And they caused a lot of trouble. They took it upon themselves to do this. Now, they, they thought they were safe by the Mosaic Law, the Law of the Old Testament. They thought they were safe. So this is what they did. When Jesus came, He came for everyone, right? Thank goodness, because... Is there anybody that's Jewish in here? Okay, good. We're all Gentiles. So that means, that means we're, we're glad that we all... That He came for us all, right? So these people that are practicing this Jewish law, this, these Christians, they say this. You have to do this and 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 this. And there's hundreds of laws in the Old Testament. It was, most of them didn't follow them all. But anyone that is not Jewish, they would tell them that in order to have a relationship with God, they must obey all the Old Testament laws. And one of these was being circumcised. They're talking about adult people. What are they doing? They're making it difficult to walk through that door, aren't they? It's not just about that. It's just not just about the physical thing. He's explaining, Paul warns against these teachings because he's explaining that these people are concentrating on things that you personally can do. And that is wrong. That's not worth it. What does he do? Look at your worship handout. Look at this. He says, be careful not to put more emphasis on your human effort than your internal faith. God values the attitude of your heart. Our hearts. Be careful to not put more emphasis in your human effort. There are religious sects of groups of people in this, in, in, in this world that believe that they attain heaven... They attain a relationship with God, eternity, whatever they call it, by the good works that they do. Some of them, these religions even limit the number of people that they think their religion is going to be in heaven. Here's the problem. You ready? There's more of people than there are the number. Somebody's getting left out. So what do they do? They concentrate on the good works. They do and 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 they do. And he says, be careful to not put more emphasis on your human effort. When you involve the grace of Jesus Christ to have a relationship with God, it is not about what you do at all. It's about what Jesus did. Look at verse 3. He goes on to remind him. He says, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Jesus Christ has done for us. <laughs> we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. Never in Scripture have I read this. We rely on what Matt has done for us. In my selfish nature, I've tried to read Scripture that way. It doesn't work. Put, you can put your name in it. It doesn't work. Okay, we rely on what Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. We put no confidence. It's not about what we do. Look at verse 4. He says this, Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Now, th this is going to sound really arrogant. I'm going to go back, okay? But he says, Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, efforts I have even more. I told you this guy's resume is incredible. 
Okay? We, we're going we're gonna to see just how incredible it is. Paul is not being arrogant here. He's not saying, look at me, just follow, just, just, just do what I do. There are pieces in Scripture where Paul says, do as I do. Do you know why? Because he's following Christ. He says, just follow me. I'm pointing to the right guy right now. Didn't used to, haven't always, but I am right now. Follow me. Look at verse 5. Start with a checklist. You ready? He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. Jewish law to be followed. Check. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. Check. Israelites are God's chosen people. And a member of the tribe of Benjamin. One of two to come back out of the promised land. This is a highly revered tribe. These guys are awesome. I mean, it's like, it's like the Hall of Fame. Just walks by like, wow, those guys are big time. He's a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Watch this. The tribe of Benjamin, translated from Hebrew, means this. It means, they're the sons of my right hand. If you study anything about Scripture, who sits at the right hand of God? His son, Jesus. Right hand is a big deal. Two disciples had an argument. Jesus! Jesus! As if Jesus doesn't have any... This is, I think that's, this is us sometimes. Playing petty. Jesus is out here showing who He is, serving the world, being Jesus. Jesus, we have a question. Jesus, we have a question. Jesus, we have a question. What's the, what's the, oh, what's the question? Is it something about the last healing that I did? Can I teach you? No, no, no. We have no desire to know anything about that. And they, and they keep on, Jesus, we seriously have a question. And he goes, well, do you want to know what, what heaven's like? Do you want to know what my father's like? Do you want to know the will of my father? No, no, no. We don't care about that. Which one of us is going to sit at your right hand? This is a real argument. If Jesus was my mom and that was me, I'd get backhanded. Shut up. But what were they concentrating on? Their personal gain. When you are from the tribe of Benjamin, and it translates from the original Hebrew that you are the son of the right hand, extremely set above common people. You are not normal. You are set above. So he says, I'm, a, I'm from the, the tribe of Benjamin. And he, he goes on, he says, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. But remember, it was all about what you did. Jesus wrecked their whole case for having salvation. It didn't become about what they did or followed. It was about what Jesus did for them and He forgave them. And they couldn't handle that. He goes on. Verse 6, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Why did Paul, originally called Saul, persecute Christians? Because he followed the law so closely. Anything that came against the law, he was not okay with. I grew up, Paul just hated Christians. He hated Jesus. He did not like Jesus. Because they didn't fit his his persona of who the Messiah was. You know who Paul thought was going to be, who was going to walk in the door? You imagine that, the Messiah is going to walk through the door. And we all take out these, these, these pads of paper and we just you know, draw pictures and we write what it's going to look like. And if we were Jews, we would draw, man, it's going to be like King David. This guy's going to be like 6'4", you know, probably 235, 8% body fat, ripped out of his mind, have this huge sword and be able to take three guys' heads off with one swing. That's seriously what they wanted. They wanted a huge horse, chariot drawn. This guy is just awesome. And in walks a carpenter's son. At the, the highest of high, God who is elevated above perfection, Son is sent to earth not only to inhabit this shell, this, this, 
This thing that just kept him from... It, man, it limited him. And then Jesus walks in and he says, I'm the Savior of the world. Yeah, right. No way. He even tries to tell them, doesn't he? The words out of his mouth. I am God's Son. He even uses this. He says, I'm the Son of Man. That should have... Listen, if these people would have been so good at reading their Bible, they would have realized that 700 years before Jesus was on earth, Daniel said the same thing. Didn't call him Jesus. He says, the Son of Man. And when Jesus used that term, a person or people that have studied the Bible should have known. When we leave it all up to ourselves, we can miss some stuff. Our comprehension sometimes is not good. I'm sporadic and mostly ADD in my thinking anyway, so there's a lot of things that I miss. I go back and read it again, but this is huge. This is why Paul was against Christianity because it was against the Mosaic law. No, no, no. No. You send somebody like David in here, we will listen, we will change. Not change it for this carpenter's son. And Jesus even gave him examples of that he was God's son. He could, do, he could do miracles. The Old Testament prophets said the Messiah will do many wonderful, amazing works. Jesus at a wedding. They take six jars that are 30 gallons apiece. Do the math. I know. 180. I'm just a PE teacher, but I do know a little bit. You know, six times 30. Okay, 180. He changes 180 gallons of water into wine. They're like, oh, that was a good magic trick. Okay. He goes to Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Probably smells really good. That's, that's, that's sarcasm, okay? And he, and he walks up and he says these words, says, Lazarus come forth and his dead friend walks out of the grave. This is not somebody that just plays around. He doesn't look like David, but he's so much more powerful. And Jesus tries to show, and Paul's reminding them that he didn't fit my description, so I persecuted people because I didn't think it was right. He thought he was blasphemous. If ever there was a person that followed the laws and spoke out against anyone and anything that went against the Old Testament teaching, it was, Paul, it was Saul. It was him before, before he encountered God. I want you to get this this morning. He did everything right. But there's a problem. I just included two words that don't need to go there. He did. You do. I do. We did. Listen. It is not up to the things that we do. This is what Paul is saying. It is not up to the things that you do. As a result of your relationship with Christ, should you do good things to keep the kingdom of God moving in a forward direction? Yes. Those good works are a result of your salvation. You can't get there without Jesus. You can't. Look at the next blank in your worship handout. God is not looking for that. This is, this is sharp to some of us. I didn't like writing this. I was this two weeks ago. I'm like, oh yeah, this is okay. And I'm like, I don't like this. God is not looking for your worldly resume, your successes or your possessions. God is looking at your heart. Oh, we don't like this. Do you know why? Because we like stuff. We show our friends that we're successful by our stuff. <laughs> I was at a place yesterday. 
I was not. I was not truck shopping. They just had a new truck there. It was at. It was at. I was at a show where they had. They had brand new boats. I don't even have a boat. I wasn't even there for the boats. They had some other stuff, and I just walked by. I was. I was sticker looking. You ever sticker looked? It scared me to death when I saw the prices of some of these things. I walked by a truck. I'm like, that is a sharp truck. 20 inch rims, nice. Chrome, nice. 2016, nice. Heated steering wheel, yes. Air conditioned steering wheel, yes. Heated seats, yes. Air conditioned seats, yes. Power, everything. Power back glass. Rhino lined already. 23 miles a gallon on the highway. I know some of you are like, I'm going to go get a new car. Wait till I tell you the price. $53,000. That's nothing. I saw an Escalade the other day for ninety-four. I'm not looking for new vehicles. I just want to go there for like a little scaring fest. I'm like, holy cow. That's like, you know, more than my house. See, when we think this worldly resume, we want to have all this stuff. And God says, I don't care about the stuff. Stuff is important. Stuff is good for us. God wants us to enjoy life. God wants us to manage our money so that we can have cool stuff. If you've mentored through us with Dave Ramsey, he says this, so you can give more, so you can save more, and so you can have more fun. That's what he says. Because you're going to have more fun. I don't have any debt. Wow, what can we do? We can do this, we can do this. But Paul is saying, God's looking at your heart. He wants to continue to change. God wants to continue to change us. When He looks at us and He wants to change us, He says, Matt, you're doing pretty good here, but here I'm going to really, really cut into you. If you have a relationship with God, you understand this. Sometimes you'll read something and go, oh, I don't do that very well. You ever done that? God says, I want you to change so you can become more like my son. If I went to my bathroom and I looked into the mirror, and it was, it was a metaphorical, spiritual mirror. And I say, God, <clears throat> I'm here. And I looked into this mirror. And God goes, what do you see? And I said, I see Matt. And he goes, I have to keep changing you until you look not like Matt and more like my son. We don't like that. Like, mm, I'll, straighten my, I'll straighten my teeth. You know, grow some more hair here. You know, we'll do, we'll do this, we'll do this. We'll shave or trim, we'll let it grow. Do all these things, but God says, I need to keep changing you until you look more, more like my son than yourself. Because when that happens, that means that God has changed you. Did you know that if you're a follower of Christ, your old self shouldn't even be allowed to come up in conversation? You know, because you know what we do? God wants us to go this way. Do you remember how much fun you had back there? Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Anybody ever walk backwards spiritually? Me too. Look at verse thir- look at seven. He says, I once. Underline once. You know why? Watch this. This is cool. We just read, we just blow past this. I once. Okay. He's talking past tense. Do you know why? He's different. Different. He said, I once thought these things were valuable. Oh, I got the best. I got the best. I'm a Roman citizen. I'm a, I'm a Jewish person. I'm doing all this stuff. I have all these things. I'm a Pharisee. I'm an upholder of the Old Testament Mosaic Law. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. I'm the man. And he says this. I used to think these things were valuable. But now, I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. How can he think this way? 
You're giving up everything, man. Don't do that. You had the great resume. You were the man. How are all these things worthless? Because Paul realized one thing, that he couldn't do it. When God encountered Paul, Paul realized he could not gain anything eternal by himself. Oh, you can gain eternal damnation. You can't gain eternal in heaven, eternity in heaven without Jesus. And that's what he said. He has completely died to this. Look at verse 8. He says, Yes, everything else is worthless. Underline worthless. I'm going to give you two examples of worthless. Here's the deal. The successes, the stuff. I've told you this before. I've done funerals. I'm only 35 years old. I've done funerals before. We've done funerals here. Not one time have I seen a U-Haul on the back of ours. You don't take it with you. But, but it's, it's, it's nice to have. Yes, it's nice to have. Okay. But you don't get to take it with you. This is why he says this. He says everything else is worthless. Here's what you're not. You are not worthless either. You are not worthless. Do you know how I know this? Oh, because you're a great scholar and thinker. No. <laughs> Watch. It is impossible for a perfect God to make a worthless anything. It's not possible. God doesn't make junk. God made you for a reason. Think about this. What is, your, what is your vision for this life? What is your plan? Some of us, many of us, I look, can't look way in the future and say, I have no idea. And God says this, just remember, it's all about me. As you go through this life, it's all about me. When compared, he goes, everything else is worthless when I compare it to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Better than a $53,000 truck? Better than a million of them. So we can't pay. We can't buy. We can't do this. It says, for His sake I have discarded everything else. He goes farther. Watch this. It's not just worthless. It's what now? It's garbage. I've discarded everything else. Counted it all as garbage. So that I could what? So that I could gain Christ. Look at verse 9. And become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. What he used to do, past tense, used to. What does he do now? Look at this. Rather, I became righteous through the faith in Jesus Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. There are theological scholars that have a problem. They think if Paul and James ever would have got into a conversation, the writers of, 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 of Corinthians and Romans and the book of James, if they were ever had a conference together, they would have went at it. If you read the book of James, he says, it's by your good works that you're saved. Paul says, it's grace. These people don't exactly get along. Probably didn't send Christmas cards to each other. But they were at the same... Now, some people say, oh, there's a discrepancy in Scripture and I don't have to do it. No. Translated, salvation is key. Your works should come from that love to show other people your relationship with Christ. See, God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. Paul's simply saying, it's not what I did. Whatever I did, it wasn't good enough. You're never going to be good enough. Some of you have heard that in a very negative sense. I've heard that my whole entire life. I came from a town with two stop signs. 
You're never going to make it. That was my fuel. Yes, I will. I will. And we've tried it, but we've, our whole life, our whole life, we felt this negativity towards us. We think, oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. You're not good enough. If you wait until you're good enough to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're never going to have a relationship with Him because you're never going to be good enough. When we can lay ourselves down, realize that our puzzle is absolutely put in, not put in right places. You know what? Some of us are even missing pieces out of our puzzle. Some of us don't even have the right box to look at. That's hard. Have you ever done that? Put a box to put. That would be a pretty good prank. And put, the, put a different box on top of a puzzle. Can you imagine? Some of us have that difficulty going through life. We think that we're trying to put this puzzle together and we're looking at the wrong picture. God says this, It's not about you. Bring me your box. I'll put you together. Not because you're good. Because I am. He says, And become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness. I became righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. He goes into verse 10 and he says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. (laughs) Without Jesus Christ being raised from the dead on the third day after He paid the price for our sins and the sins of this world, past, present, future. Without that happening, we are wasting our time here. We should go out and buy $53,000 vehicles and max out every credit card that we have because nothing matters. Jesus, here's the the problem. It did happen. God's son came to this earth not as a King David figure, as a carpenter's son. And he lived a shameless, perfect life and he was put on the cross. And when he was put on the cross, the Bible said that God poured his wrath, all of the sins of ever of the world onto his son in fact he couldn't even look at his son it's the first separation out of all eternity that the Godhead was had, that had a, a submissive split in it God couldn't even look at him and he died he gave up his life third three days you imagine being a disciple for three days and what the anxiety would be he said he was coming back yeah I don't know <laughs> he's kind of dead that's kind of final we've never seen anybody come back from this Three days, lightning, explosion, earthquake, stone rolls away. (laughs) When he walks out of the grave, do you know what happens? Through eternity future, he sees me and I'm excited because I have hope. All the people have hope. When Jesus walked out of the grave alive, he conquered everything. You are not, you can't do it on your own. Look at he goes on, he says, I want to suffer with them. Sharing his death. Did Paul want to die? He said this, If I have to die, okay. I will. I give my life, look at 11, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul is not talking about being raised from the dead three, time, or three days after he dies. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this different resurrection. One from a Jewish point of view, that he would be raised to life to be with Christ in eternity in heaven. That comes out of one thing, a relationship with Jesus. Look at the last blank. You know, right before this, Paul says this. He says, if I die, I win. And if I get to preach longer, I win. It's a win-win for me. Now, quick question. If you died today, would you win? 
Hmm. I don't know. I did a lot of good stuff. Revert back, please. This week, just look over the things that I said in here. What Paul says, you can't do enough. God doesn't make junk. He says, you say, man, my puzzle is just completely not put back together. God says, bring me your box. You can't put it together on your own. Let me put you back together. But look at this. God is seeking a relationship with you. No matter what has went on in your life, no matter what you have done, God wants you to have a relationship with Him. Now, I want you to hear me very, very carefully today. It is not magic words that that you get this relationship with God. It is not a magic... You you can't go out and sacrifice an animal to get what God has for you. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He provides the way. That's it. And as long as you've been living... Look at this. No matter what has went on. But I've, I've I've been in prison. Ready? Jesus doesn't care. Connection says this. You, you, we have people that come and say, well, I'm, I've done this and I've done this and I've done this and I've, been, I've robbed people and I've, I've, I've messed up with people and I've, I've touched people or I've been touched inappropriately. I'm not worth it. I'm not this. I'm not this. Here's the deal. Connection says this. We do not care where you come from. Not at all. But we are highly interested in where you're going. The relationship with Christ only found through Jesus Christ. Some of you today may... You may say, hey, I don't know about this relationship. I'm, in a minute, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to just repeat these words, okay? You just repeat these words with me. It's not magic. In here, mean it with your heart, okay? We're going to, we're going to say, I want, to, I want this. I, I, I don't have all the answers, but I want this relationship. I've tried too many times on my own. I've tried too, I can't do it on my own. I've messed up enough. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've messed up enough. I can't, my puzzle is not even in the right box. We're going to pray. If you want to do that, I just want you to repeat after me. Everybody bow their heads. If you're one of those people this morning that want to have a relationship with Christ, I just ask you to pray with me. Just in your heart, not out loud. Just in your mind, in 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 yourself. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. And I have tried to do things my way. Because of that, I have sin in my life. And it separates me from you. I ask you to forgive me of that sin. And I ask your son to come live inside me. In your Holy Spirit. Inside me. And to save me. That I may live with you forever. And no one, no one else... But if, you, if you're one of those people, just look at me really quick. If you're one of those people that said that, I want to talk to you after church. Okay, you come and talk to me. We'll talk about that. Thank you very much. Bow your head. God, oh yeah. just thank you, God, for how big you are, how good you are. No matter what our puzzle looks like, even if we don't have a box left, even if we don't have any pieces God, our life is just not where it needs to be. Maybe we're a follower of you and our life is not where we, we need to have it with you. God, I ask that you make us aware through your word that you be able to make us aware of the changes that we need to, me- to make so that we look more like your son and less like us. God, I thank you for these people. The God that have accepted you this morning. 
God, that You just give them the strength to come and talk to me. That we can talk about this, God. We can understand what You've done for us. And we thank You, God, for the opportunity to come here and worship You and look at Your Word. It's in Your name that we pray. Amen.